Rebellions are built on hope. Welcome to another episode of Radio Rebellion Star Wars Podcast. I am your host, Alberto Calderon, and thank you for joining us today on this Star Wars Saturday as we get ready to talk Ahsoka. One more episode. We're almost there at the finale of Season 1. Are we getting a Season 2? Will all this be followed up in the movie? Mando Season 4? Who knows? But we'll get around that in a minute. Thank you guys for being here joining us. As you know, I mean, at least as you can see, just me today. Oh, he's busy with work, I guess. He's going out. He's on a flight. He's on, I don't know where he is. He's somewhere around. Hopefully, he's not in another galaxy trying to reach Peridia. But he'll be back here next week as we do our review of Ahsoka Finale next week. And we'll see. From there, I don't know if we'll take a week off if Oti has finished reading Tales of Light and Life. We'll do a review of that. Or maybe we'll do a whole recap of Ahsoka Season 1. I don't know. Just wait till next week and we'll figure that out. But thanks for joining us today. Of course, if it's your first time joining us, thanks for being here. Make sure that you subscribe to our channel and that you hit that like button and comment down below if you're watching this later on the replay. And also if you're listening to this later on the audio podcast when it drops later this week on Monday, leave us a rating, a review, five stars if possible. We'll take four stars, even three, even lower. I don't know. Hopefully we're not that bad. You need to give us a one or two stars. And by that, well, they don't even do it. Just keep scrolling. But give us a review, rating. Let us know. Apple Podcasts, Amazon, uh, Spotify, Goodreads. I mean, Good Pods. Everywhere where you might find your podcast will be there. All right. Before we start, I see someone's out there. Our friend Tony. Tony's Collection. How are you doing, Tony? Thanks for joining us. You, you probably know where Otis, but hello, fan. Hope you're all doing well. We are doing fine, Tony, up here. I mean, down here. I know you're up there, right, by Ch- Chicago or something. There's a lot of storms in the Northeast this week. We saw those videos from New York. Everything's flawless. If you guys are out there, just stay safe. We're still in the middle of hurricane season. I know it's almost October. It'll be October tomorrow. We'll think about fall. But storm season is still brewing, so you never know what might happen. And then all this snow for you guys up there. But thanks for being here, Tony, taking the day to join us today. Uh, we'll start, as you see down there, we keep, still have a, our little crawl going for the writer strike and the um, actor strike for SAG and WGA. But good news, the writer strike or the writers came into agreement with the studios. And it seems that their, their strike is over. Uh, writers will be back next week doing their stuff. So congratulations to them for holding out and getting everything that they needed and they deserve. We'll keep that scrolling down there for the immediate future. We still have the actor strike going on with SAG. Hopefully they'll get a good deal also because we need it or they need it, I should say. And we'll keep in solidarity with them as we keep talking about this universe that we love so, so much with their pew-pews and their vroom-vroom and beep-beep. We've got some sassy, angry droids this week. All right, so we're going to get into that. And I think that's it. I think we're ready to go ahead. So if you guys are ready and not ready, let's talk Star Wars. And, of course, it's Star Wars on TV. Star Wars on TV. Ahsoka Tano. Ahsoka Tano. There we go. That's We get our little 
Ulti feel right there. All right, so we had Ahsoka episode seven. This is the penultimate episode. We have, this is it, the last episode before the finale. And I'm gonna preface by saying this. People might think that I hated this episode and I didn't. I'm gonna, there's a lot of things that I wish they did different. I'm gonna highlight those as we do our talk today. But in general, I really like, like this episode. It was a good episode. It was a solid episode. Even an episode that we needed after those two emotional, heavy, impactful episodes that we had previous two weeks with the World Between Worlds, seeing Anakin again, that Clone Wars flashback. And then, of course, this past episode, not this one, the episode from last week when we finally found Ezra, Throne came in. We talked how much we love that episode. Might be our favorite episode of Star Wars television so far. So we needed something to, I don't want to say pump the brakes, but we needed a break. We've talked about this before that, yeah, Tony, I might have, might have some hot takes. So we'll see. We'll see. And we talked about this before, probably with Mando or maybe with Ando. I don't know. That after heavy hitting episode, very action filled or emotional episode, the next one you need to bring it back down. We talked about, I'm a, I listen to heavy metal and to hard rock. You can just have Enter Sandman and Master of Puppets back, back to back to back to back. You need a Nothing Else Matters, Fade to Black to kind of bring everything down, collect your thoughts. Even those are very emotional songs, but then get back to, into it, which I think this episode was. I don't know if the placement work, and I'll probably talk about that more in, at the end, but actually, I'm going to mention it now. It's, this didn't feel like a, it wasn't a setup for the finale. I don't feel like, okay, here we go. Next week is going to be this impactful episode. We got all these threads pulling around. We still don't know. There's, we don't know what Balan's plan is. Uh, we know that Thrawn is filling up his Star Destroyer. How are they getting back? Ezra doesn't even know what the hell is going on. So it still didn't feel like a finale. And I'll pro probably repeat this at the end, but it feels like Filoni wrote this season like it was going to be like a 10-episode season instead of eight. Like we still had like two more episodes to go before the finale, or at least one more to set everything up and then the finale. It doesn't feel like, man, this left us ready for that finale. It's like, okay, it was a good episode, but what's going on? Where are we going? And again, uh, Ot is not here, so I'm gonna be throwing some Star Wars, I mean, Star Trek comparisons in a minute, especially for that setup from the penultimate episode to the final episode of a season, I'll mention that in a little bit. But before we got in, get into that, so the, the episode starts with Hera's trial, which was good. A few weeks ago, Alti mentioned that they were repeating some bits with uh, Sabine, that she kind of went away from what she told Ahsoka she was going to do. She took the orb to her place, then she lost it, and all that happened. And then in episode four, I guess, when she's not supposed to give them the orb, she's gonna destroy it, and she goes again what she told Ahsoka she was going to do. So they're repeating those bits. So Hera's quote unquote trial, more a hearing, I guess it was. To me, even though it was entertaining, of course, because Siona's being a jerk, and we'll keep it PG for today. It was being a jerk, and Ezra, I mean, Hera just throwing everything back in her face, like. No, I didn't disobey or direct orders. I just disobeyed you. And everyone's kind of, ooh, snap. 
it's the same thing that happened when they had the conversation back in episode three. Is he saying that they don't need that? And she, and she just rebuting kind of, oh, did you ever fight in the war? Are you just waiting to see which side came up on top? So it seemed like the same beats. And I had my the same issues. Or I'm going to say, oh, so this trial, it wasn't too long. So right, it didn't take a lot of the episodes, of the episode runtime. I kind of wish maybe it was even shorter. We didn't to see the same beats over and over. Maybe Hera coming out from the courtroom, whatever you want to call it, and kind of, oh, it was great to get that message from Leia kind of last minute and then c 3 shows up or something quick to just get us moving. But then probably I will I would be complaining, oh, we needed more time to kind of revisit all that. So my first Star Trek kind of comparison is season two of Strange New Worlds, episode two is uh, Una Chin Riley's, the number one, her trial for similar things, kind of court martial. This is a whole episode. And I'll say it's not my favorite episode of the season, so I'm not gonna say that Star Wars needed to do a whole episode on Hera's trial, that will be a no-no. But what that episode did right, that I see myself coming back to this episode in Star Wars, and then in episode three, when again, Hera's addressing the New Republic, is that we don't see both sides of it, right? If when on Star Trek, when they were doing this, we saw, the reason why what she was doing was wrong and the reason why it was right and there were um, whatever, people kind of defending her, other people saying why what she was doing was wrong, all this evidence. Again, we didn't need all this. We had Carson Teva kind of step up and say, hey, what about the Battle of Mandalore where all this happened? And also I don't, it's like Siona's the only one that cares about this, right? No one else there cares. Mon Mothma doesn't care. The other senators don't care about this trial. They understand, either they understand the severity of the issue of Throne coming back, or they just don't care because it's, okay, heroin and this sort of thing. So why is even Siono given so much power to do this hearing? Uh, he asks a question and then he's, uh, I don't know, he didn't like her answer. She's like, he's, uh, Objection. Can you be just jury, lawyer, everything at the same time, Siono? So anyway, I didn't love the trial. I did, of course, like when Chopper was ready to, ready to jump jump the, the bleachers and beat his ass up. And it's all oh, this mere droid. What? What? I'm ready. Of I had to keep him back. So I did enjoy that. But again, it just played for the same kind of jokes that first time that Siono is this guy that we just don't like. And then Harris just going to kind of mouth off on him. And I would appreciate, I don't know if appreciate is the right word, but if when they have that back and forth and they're arguing that someone else in the Senate, in that little committee, even Mothman, if people want to say, well, she has to be impartial. Okay, there's only three senators. You kind of step up and say, okay, guys, you gotta stop with that bickering. Let's get into what actually is going on. <sighs> but anyway, then we get C-3PO, which I oh, don't it was, what do you guys think about c 3 You like that little cameo? Is it just, okay, we just need to get these legacy characters back? It, I didn't mind it. Um, I understand why they can't use Leia. Do we even need the Leia callback or name drop? I'm not so sure. But it worked for what it needed to be. I'm kind of surprised that Siona, for all, everything that he's arguing, he didn't even bother to look at the message 
Uh, so it's kind of, yeah, yeah, whatever. There's a message then I won't say anything. And yes, dude, you've been complaining. Look at the message. It could be just Leia's lunch order for later today, for all he knows. But whatever. So it was fine. Everyone walks out. Mon Mothma's like, yeah, I know this isn't happening, but do you really think that Thrones coming back? And of course, she's like, oh, we got to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Which is, I guess, what we need to prepare ourselves for the finale, right? Oh, sorry, man. Guess it's hot over here. I know it's we're almost at October, but I'm burning down here. I got my ceiling fan going on. It's still hot. So we got Ahsoka reaching the new galaxy. She finally reached Peridia. I love being back in the hyperspace with the whales, the whole rainbow colors going around, the way the whales look. One thing you cannot knock this show on is the special effects. I think the CGI and the special effects, especially the last three episodes, have been as good as anything you will see out in television, even in the Star Wars movie. I love the the whales coming out of hyperspace. I love when Ahsoka's like, oh, we got to get out there because she knows they're getting bombarded. And she, the whale, star whale, kind of opens its mouth. They fly out and just everything happening around them looks great. The whales look great. I don't know where they got a million space mines to put around. I didn't know that Morgan Elsewhere brought brought that with her in the Eye of Zion. It was kind of weird, but it worked. She goes to hide, and this is when we start seeing Throne being thrown, right? Playing the mind games, kind of, yeah, let's follow her into the debris field. All right, let's pull back. We don't need to waste our resources. Hey, night, night mothers or great mothers, I need your help. Tell me where she's at. She's there. All right, start attacking again. And then when she goes out after she kind of senses where Sabine is, then they start following. And then eh, let's just let her land. We don't need to, to do this as long as we're not her target. She's trying to find Sabine, and that's good for us right now. So, again, we start seeing how Thrawn is using those mind games, and it works great by the end of this episode when... I'll probably repeat it then, but when Morgan El Elsbeth is like, but all I see is our enemies are I back together. I can you see that this is a win? Well, dude, she's not attacking us, all right? We're just she's wasting time. We're filling up our our trunk space is almost full, and then we're gonna leave this hellscape here and we don't have to care. So the longer she stays over there, the easier it will be for us. So again, Thron knows what she's doing. For me, the, the MVPs of these episodes, apart from Thrawn, were the Naughty. I really like love the Naughty in this episode, and Ezra. And let's start talking about those two plus Sabine. So Sabine, Ezra, and the Naughty, they're kind of just cruising around in their little roaming wheels home, kind of, they're the hardfoots of this universe. They're just roaming, talking a little bit. I love, Estras and Sabine's banter, especially when Sabine mentioned that she was getting trained by Ahsoka. He's like, really? Why are you training? Well, actually, no, yeah, no, 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 don't worry. Yeah, you were training a little bit when I was doing my own stuff. So I love that little banter, especially a little bit later on when Shin comes into the picture. Man, I gotta say, uh, Emanes Fandias, Ezra, might be my favorite character. I know Thrawn is there with... Uh, He's great. I love Balan, of course. But what he's done in these two episodes, that's Ezra for me, 100%. I've had some issues. Not issues. That's not though. It took me a little bit to get into, okay, this is Hera from Rebels. Okay, this is Sabine from Rebels. Ahsoka, we've seen for a little bit now, so I kind of know what to expect. 
But Ezra, as soon as he showed up on screen two episodes ago, and then everything that he's doing, acting, portraying Ezra is just what I would believe that Ezra is in this time period right now. So he's just knocking out the park, very quickly becoming one of my favorites in the show. So I can't wait for this episode. And again, for the the movie when it comes out, uh, season two, season four, man, when I was seeing them again, you're right, Tony, the, the banter was spot on the whole episode. Even, I didn't mention it before, but Ahsoka and Hu Yang in that beginning was great when they're having that little argument and Ahsoka's kind of leading him on. But well, you never say that. Yes, I did. And then she's just kind of laughing. And of course, uh, when she's gonna go into the plan, oh, let's try that maneuver that we tried before. And oh, how do you even know that we're gonna show up in the same galaxy, in the same planet? Oh, I don't know, I just hope. And Hugan's like, well, statistically, it's almost impossible, but I want you to be right. I feel that sometimes, like, it's not gonna happen. I wish, I wish it's gonna happen. It's gonna be very difficult. But that the banter between those, Hugan and Ahsoka was great. And then Ezra and Sabine. Um, so here we start. They found them. They find them. So Balen and Shin see them from a distance. And we'll go into the, the little discussion in a few minutes. But it's basically okay, tell them that we found them and let's go kill them all. Actually, you go kill them. I gotta do something else. And we'll all get into that conversation in a minute. We get all these war riders, right? And they go to actually before we get into that, because as much as I love the banter between Ezra and Sabine. And this is not a Star Wars problem. This is a problem in all TV shows and all movies. If people would just say what they needed to say, like you would do in regular life, things would move a little bit easier. And maybe the story moves a little bit quicker and people will act like they will actually act. Ezra's like, okay, so how did you get here? Oh, it's complicated. Don't worry about it. Okay, uh, how are we getting out? Uh, we'll talk about that later. Also, Ahsoka's training you. Oh, is she coming? Uh, it's complicated. It's like they've been together now for two days. He doesn't know how she got there, how they're getting out, how does how does Ahsoka play into this? Then later at the end, oh, Ahsoka almost died. But that's fine because that just happened. But the, those conversations need to happen. You need to be talking to the person that you spent 10 years finding or looking, hoping that you would find. You finally found them. And I know it's not a conversation that you want to have, but there's nothing more important. It's like when you're watching a TV show and there's something very important one character needs to tell the other, oh, there's no time for this. There's time. You can run and talk at the same time. You can write the naughty and say, well, actually, I don't know how we're getting out because I had to follow those two guys that are not with me to this new galaxy, but we'll figure it out. Or let's start, there has to be something now where my concern is, and again, I'll mention this later on, is that we're piling too much into the finale. That is just gonna fall flat because it just gets resolved very easily or very quickly. Or my fear is that nothing gets resolved and I'll get to that at the end. Whew. Hey, Mo, how are you doing, Mo? Hola, prima. Thanks for joining us today. Let us know, you, both you and Tony, let me know your general thoughts on this episode. Or again, like you always do, just, We'll keep up with the, with the chat. So that's my only thing. It's people need to communicate. And it's very easy for Sabine and Ezra to kind of, this is the second time that we've seen on screen of he kind of asking, how are we getting out of here? How did you get here? I mean, there's always an excuse, but anyway, the finale is coming. 
So you get the war riders, or I should say the, the howlers, all those bandits in the howlers, which also is a great kind of look. This is, I think Filoni is actually, this is actually his, uh, not application, his, oh man, I can't believe I forgot my words as always. Oh, there we go. Filoni's auditioning. So I should say, I think Filoni's auditioning to write and direct the next season of Rings of Power. And this is his backdoor pilot for it because this is Middle Earth. This new galaxy is just Middle Earth from top to bottom. They're in the Helm's Deep Pass. We saw Minas Theories last week. We have the War Riders with all those bandits riding the, <laughs> riding the Howlers. Um, the witches in the castles, the naughty, which are just the hard foods. This is Middle Earth, and I won't complain because Lord of the Rings is one of my favorite things, but you know, if you're going to copy it, change it a little bit, right? Yes, Mo, this one, we mentioned it. A man is perfect at Ezra. As soon as he comes, that's Ezra. Everything, every word that comes out of his, word, of his mouth is Ezra. All right, so... I love, and, and another nod to Lord of the Rings is when the naughty, again, with the slingshot, of course, Ezra had to show them how to use a slingshot, throws the rock, and I love that the guy didn't fall down. He just kind of bounced, and he's like, uh-oh, and just hides. I loved it. I love the naughty this whole episode. Then later on, they hit someone with a frying pan or with a casserole. I don't know what that was, but it worked for me. The naughty are these, uh, not Joe, the kind of the comic relief, not too on the nose, but it works. They're, ah, they're good. What's the, the Ancelans from Mandalorian? The, the Naughty are the same for here. I would love the Naughty and Ancelans to meet. That would be a very funny interaction. <sighs> the freaking dumb howler. Like Sabine's, another thing that I love when Ezra cannot ask Sabine when she see Daisy Balin and she is like, oh, are they with you? No. Lightsabers, yes. And I think that's later on. Then when they, okay, they surrounded us. We're not gonna leave anyone behind. Let's go and do this. And when they're walking down there, that notice there, and then the big face of Sabine's howler kind of just reminded me of my big, dumb, enfish dog. He's just there, just trying to survive. I hope he makes it out. I hope he meets the Lothcaron, uh, Lothal. Uh, it was pretty interesting. All right, before we keep going with some of the action, so Tony's saying, I guess I missed I miss that coming from Mobile. I agree with Mo, really cool stuff. Love the dialogue in the episode. It was shot very well. I agree with you on the VFX and where it does seem like a pre-finale. It doesn't seem like a pre-finale. I think we're on the same page. Mo had said, episode was cool. A lot of build-up. Curious to see how they wrapped it up. And that's, we'll spend more time on that at the end. But yeah, that's what, how is this going to end? Again, for Mo, you weren't here when we started. Good episode, solid episode. It just didn't feel like we're ready for the finale. And that's where I kind of hung up a little bit. It's like, really, we're not, we needed something to start setting up the finale. But as we always say, let's trust in Filoni how everything wraps up. So it was a cool chase. Um, it reminded me, because I was watching earlier today, actually, those um, wildlife documentaries of some wild dogs chasing this pack of uh will uh water buffalo which of course they're not gonna be able to get but just seeing all of the wild dogs chasing this big pack of buffalo down the savannah and then trying to single out one of the small ones reminded me of this chasing all those big kind of roly-poly ships that the 
naughty half going down the road or down that big plains and then you have all the howlers and the the bandits on the howlers chasing them trying to single them out it was very kind of wildlife chase so i did enjoy that all right let's say hi to our friend mr spaxwall thanks for being here Ezra was so good that all my words about transitioning from animation fell away. I think a man's cast is my favorite of the show, only second to Ray Stevens. And I think I'm right there with you, Mr. Spaswald. It's great. It's amazing how, in, how many little scenes he had, because last week he was on screen for maybe three minutes. Boom, that's Ezra, as soon as he opened his mouth. And this week, even though he was featured prominently, there, wasn't, there weren't a lot of kind of actual like 10, 15 minute scenes. But it just feels like Ezra. The, the casting, in general, the casting has been great, but those two have been just spot on. So anyway, um, so let's talk about Balin and Shin before we come back to that fight when Shin arrives. Well, I'm very surprised that Balin cats Shin aside. I know people are making comparisons to when he's talking with Sabine in episode four, that your master left you, cast you aside, didn't finish your training. And people are saying, is he doing the same thing now to Shin? I don't think it's the same because if if Ahsoka abandoned Sabine during her training, it's one thing. This is he's not abandoning her. It's just, he's saying, okay, basically you're training as far as I can train you. Now you have to, this is your Jedi trials, basically. You have to go kill Ezra and Sabine, that's where your passion leads. Mine leads somewhere else. So he goes to say, your ambition drives you in one direction. My path lies in another. And he's talking about, oh, go and you'll join this new empire. You gotta go kill them. And I gotta go to whatever is calling me over there that I've been chasing for whatever in this galaxy. So it did seem that they were going to diverge. I didn't think it was gonna happen, especially on an episode like this. So I was surprised by it. I'm also surprised that he didn't just go and do it or go follow what his passion was. He just stayed there to see uh, how everything played out. And of course, this is when Ahsoka comes in. So we'll come into that in a minute. Then, of course, his final kind of parting lessons are impatience or victory will guarantee defeat. And I'm if this foreshadowing his own demise for Bela, maybe he's too focused, excuse me, too focused on his victory either defeating Ahsoka or getting to what his end goal is, that he's impatient to get to that last step and gets beaten or defeated right before it just because he thinks that he's got it when he's not. So it might be a little bit of a foreshadowing, but we'll see. Shin, 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 we talked about this last week. Where's her mentality at? She was the first half of the season, she was very gung-ho, in stopping Ezra or stopping Sabine, I should say, killing everyone. And we saw last week that when Thrawn say, okay, follow them and kill them once she finds Ezra, she's like, are we really gonna go back on our word? You gave her gave her your word that we were gonna not gonna kill him. Baylor said, oh, we told her that they can find Ezra and we're letting them letting her find Ezra and then we'll go ahead and kill them. And she didn't seem to be on board. She didn't seem to be on board when she asked him, well, you're not helping. And that's when he said our paths lie in different directions. I don't know where she's at. And when she battles Ahsoka, she doesn't battle Ahsoka. When that scene when Ahsoka is like, drop your weapon, come with me, I can help you. I, I like that she didn't go with Ahsoka at that point, but I think we're getting there. And I think 
think I mentioned last week, it would be cool if Ezra finishes Sabine's training or helps her reach that point where she can access the Force. It would be great if it comes from Ezra. And it wouldn't surprise me if at some point this season, I don't know if next week's episode is close enough, maybe in the movie or whatever comes after this that has these characters again, that Sabine, I mean, that Sheen kind of gives up this dark side path and decides to, to follow Ahsoka. And then Ahsoka wants another shot at training a Padawan and takes Sheen under her wing. I wouldn't be surprised. And that would be a good, I, I think a good send-off for both characters. Or maybe not send-off, a way to continue that story. Kind of Ahsoka realizing that maybe she wasn't the best master for Sabine. And now Ezra's here to help kind of finish that path that she started her on. But she might be ready now that she's kind of done with all the the guilt and everything she had with, with Anakin. Now she can move forward with a new apprentice. And we know about she's been training the dark side. Uh, so can I say that she has she hasn't fallen to the dark side. She's maybe had some dark uh, dark side thoughts, thinking that she might fall into the dark side, same as Anakin. She knows about Anakin and how he fell. So might, that might help bring Shin down a little bit. So I wouldn't mind seeing that a little bit later on. But first, Shin arrives after she kind of calls Thrawn. I love also talking about visuals. I love the way the enemy, let's just call them the enemy. They're not dark siders or the Empire. They're holograms because they're not just blue kind of holograms that show up. It's just this, they just pops up out of nowhere. Just, I don't know if it's dark side magic from the night, night mothers or whatever. I just love every time that Enoch showed up when the first few episodes from Balin and Shin would be kind of just appear in the eye of sign, just bloop, or that green star just uh, visually looks great. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention at the beginning that it was good. I we've already seen him last two episodes or two episodes ago. Uh, the training that Anakin left Ahsoka, it's good for her to see it. She has 20 other tapes that Anakin left, so I guess that's it. Was cool to see, wasn't of course as impactful as seeing him in full on in that episode five. It was good that he was there, nothing too emotional for me. Uh, where am I? All right, so going back to Sabine, Ezra, and Dinotti, uh, Shin gets there, the other night troopers get there in the uh, trooper carrier, whatever it's called, which looks great. Same design from Rebels, looks great in live action. They brought like 40 stormtroopers in there. And of course, we get the scene that everyone's talking about, <laughs> about Sabine trying to give him the lightsaber is like no no i don't i gave it to you that's yours now very similar to what people keep saying that oh race lightsaber is not real lightsaber that looks lightsaber that's anakin no as soon as someone gives it to you he's like i gave that to you that's your lightsaber now the force is my ally and that's all i need clap 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 i love that thing i thought he was gonna be no no i'm a pacifist just like the naughty he's like no no the force is my ally which again, he probably hasn't used a lightsaber of in about 10 years, so he might be a bit rusty. But I love seeing Ezra use the force. Of course, he grabbed a blaster, 30 seconds later started shooting all the stormtroopers, so it's not just a force, it's whatever's available so you don't die. <laughs> well, that was fine. Uh, I love that the design of the night troopers are just as bad as regular stormtroopers, of course, because they have them surrounded and they couldn't get a shot off. <sighs> but it was good. Oh, talking about banter. I, 
Ezra talking his way out of getting shot, very Han Solo like. But when they're surrounded and she's like, let's shoot them, he's like, wait, 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 wait. Or, or instead of shooting, we can talk. Yeah, we can talk. And then just shoot him anyway. But again, that's why a man uh, is so perfect as Ezra. And that felt like Ezra will give Filoni props that the writing feels like Ezra. But just that way, he's like, no, let's talk about this. Feels like something that uh, Ezra would do and it worked perfect. Uh, we haven't talked about Ahsoka and Bail, and I had it down on my notes. So Ahsoka drops from the ship. Uh, Hu Yang keeps flying out, taking the, the other fighters with him. And I'll say for as good a lightsaber fight that it was, it was unnecessary. And this is where people are going to say, I'm just a hater. That's fine. Tell me I'm a hater. But this, it wasn't needed. Uh, she didn't want to fight Balan. Balan didn't want to fight her. She could have landed any other way that wasn't in his way. He could have, should have been going to what his plan is. So they fought for a little bit. He's kind of, yeah, you can't defeat me. She's like, yeah, I don't want to defeat you anyway. I'm just causing a distraction so I can steal your howler. And then she goes off running. He doesn't follow her. So I don't know that part of that lightsaber fight. I'm sorry. That's just, if we want this to feel more like what the finale or what we're leading to in the finale, that lightsaber fight was very cool looking fight. I love that Ahsoka had her two lightsabers out so that, that we knew that she meant business. And Balen was there to defend himself, but it had no weight. Like there was no consequence to this fight. So I don't know. I could have done without it and saved the rematch for a more emotionally impactful fight in the finale or later on. And we'll see how that goes. But Ahsoka gets there, saves the day when she and the Stormtroopers are going to kill everyone. And then we had that scene when she tells she to kind of drop her weapon and come, come with her. And she kind of, eh, sure I'm just going to. Get the hell out. Just like on Howler, leaves. Oh, sorry. I, I need some water. It's been 33 minutes. I need, I need a drink. <sighs> what do you guys think Shin is going to do? Is she going back to find Balan? Is she going to Thrawn? Or is she just now going to be by herself, kind of this wanderer? And eventually she will run back into... Ahsoka, Sabine, and Esther, and all those guys, and we'll figure something out at that point. I don't see her going back to Balin because he kind of set her on this path. She can go back to Throne and, El and Morgan Elsbeth. That's, I think, is where she's going. I don't know how she'll be received because when Throne noticed that we are one mercenary short, where is Balin's call? I think he's done with force users so i don't think he's gonna welcome her i might just hey i'm leaving i don't care I already said that the mercenaries can stay here for all i care and then she's gonna be out on her own and that's maybe when she kind of rethinks her position in this war that she's no not a pawn but she might not know everything that's been going on so it's gonna be interesting to see where where she falls at the end of, of all of this <sighs> I love the, because I had my issues a little bit with Ezra and Sabine's reunion last week. I love this one between Ahsoka and Sabine. I love that she, when Sabine, I mean, with Ezra and Ahsoka, when Sabine is, oh, I thought you were dead. And or you, I thought you died. And she's like, I missed this and goes to that big hug to 
Ezra. I love that. I love that they didn't wait two minutes and just going back and forth between they had that embrace. So I love that. And of course, then he had, wait, wait, you thought she was dead? And then the ship comes down. He's like, I'm getting a good feeling. I think I'm going home. I ended knocking on that. I'm going home and going home and going home. And he still doesn't know what's going on. So this is where the finale is going to be important. All right, Mr. Spaswo, you're saying that you agree with the Balan fight. Strangely empty apart from Balan pausing after the fight battling with himself, maybe knowing that Shin was going to lose with Ahsoka in the battle. I'm going to say, I don't know what Balan thought sending Shin to fight both Sabine and, and Ezra. She really didn't beat Sabine the second time that they fought. The first time, yes, obviously. Uh, lights over to the gut. There was a lot of talk on the internet about that. But the second battle... She ran as soon as Ahsoka killed Marok. She threw down the smoke bomb and just ran away. So I don't know why he thought he was she was going to be able to defeat both Sabine and her and Ezra. But of course, when Ahsoka got there, I'm sure he's like, "Oh crap! I show I sent her to her death because she's not gonna make it out." So again, it's gonna be interesting. Maybe she he welcomes her back or she tries. I don't know that. I don't see her going back to Balan, but. We'll see you next week. <sighs> so Thrones plan. We talked a little bit about this when we started. About first his reaction to Anakin. We we knew this was coming. I have my book back there with the Throne Throne Alliance. It's back there. During the cover, we know that Throne knows who Anakin is, who's Darth Vader. So now so ooh, General. And I love that he doesn't say, Oh, Anakin Skywalker, Jedi Anakin. No, General Anakin Skywalker was a master. All right, I gotta think a little bit because if she if she's anything like her master, we gotta be careful. So the, this I call this an absolute win, right? He's like like Hulk in Endgame. I call this an absolute win. She's not attacking us. She's over there, acceptable losses. Uh, I'll send some ships to follow her. We'll put her on a path that we want to. So just keep her away from me, so I can do my little thing over here. So it's like a parent. Okay, kids, go go play with the dogs and just leave me alone for five minutes so I can relax. That was thrown. Just keep her away so I can... You think we're losing? No, no, look. Let me get my iPad out. Let me get my phone out. Uh, I cannot show you what's going on. While they're fighting over there, losing time, which we know, <laughs> Coach from Rogue One, you made time an ally of the rebellion. So this is the other. She's wasting time over there, which she doesn't have because we're going to leave her. And we're almost at 80% capacity here. So I call this a win-win. So I love, again, I love Thrawn, how little by little we're showing that that's his mentality. That's how he how he wins, right? It's not overpowering with forces. It's using his intellect. So I did enjoy that. All right. So this is where, let's kind of finish this up now. I want to thank you guys as thought as we're heading to the finale. Some of your speculation, what you think might happen in the finale. Has, has this been a good setup for the finale? So there's been a lot of setup these past few weeks, especially with Balan's ultimate plan that hopefully delivers in the finale. And <clears throat> this is my second Star Trek comparison. So I talk about Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I'm going to talk now about Star Trek Discovery. So I just finished this last week. Also, as Ahsoka was going on, Star Trek Discovery Season 4. That's the last season that's out at the moment. I think Season 5 is coming soon. So I watched the last two episodes around the same time I watched Ahsoka, the Ahsoka finale. 
the penultimate episode is my favorite episode of Discovery Season 4. And I'll say Season 4 of Discovery is not my favorite season. Ahsoka is a lot better. I prefer Ahsoka over Star Trek Discovery. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I like Star Trek more than Ahsoka. Sorry, Oti, don't come back and fight with me when you're here. But that penultimate episode was basically almost felt like a finale, but it was a great leading to what the finale was going to be. Everything that had been set up for the past eight weeks coming to episode nine and then episode 10, again, great thing that you have those longer seasons. Everything kind of boiled down to that penultimate episode, and then it pushed it to the finale. This didn't seem like it was doing it. Episode six, when we find Throne, we found Ezra. That's what this season has been about, finding both of them, built into that. And then let's go into that finale, into the penultimate, penultimate episode to see how we start unraveling all this. Didn't come into fruition. So now the finale is like, there's nothing set up. We don't know what Balan's plan is. We don't know what the hell, I know, we know that, Throne wants to get out of here, but we don't know what he's doing with the great mothers, what he's putting that in those compartments. We don't know how they're getting out. This thing, ah, there's nothing set up. That's why I say, it looks like this should be a 10 episode season. And I've been saying for years, like how I don't like long seasons. I don't like series that go for four, five, six seasons. Uh, I like series that have like every season's eight to 10 episodes. I have in mind Mandalorian being eight episodes, but I think it needs more. Now that I've been watching all these other shows, Rings of Power, House of the Dragons, all these Star Trek ones, all of them are at least 10 episodes. Discoveries between 13 and 15 episodes. Maybe we don't need that many, but it feels like we're rushing to the finale. Like they still need something else between this week episode, something now, and then the finale. It kind of feels like something's missing. And that's my biggest issue with this episode, the story structure. Wasn't the biggest fan of the way the trial was handed, handled, and then how we're going into the finale doesn't seem like we're there. It's like, this should have been episode six, and then episode seven be something else, and then eight, the finale. Like, we're missing something between these two episodes. That's my biggest complaint. And I know, I know, and all these ears are probably ringing right now. He's mentioned here before, like, there's a movie coming out. Not everything that's being set up is going to be resolved by the end of next week. And I 100% agree. We know that Throne isn't going to be defeated. Uh, I don't think that any of our heroes are dying next week or even by the movie. I don't think Ezra. I know people are saying, oh, is Ezra going to die next week? No, there's no way Ezra's dying this week, next week, uh, three years from now. We didn't find him just to listen. This is in the High Republic. People survive here. Uh, Ahsoka's going to be fine. Sabine's going to be fine. Harris is going to be fine. Is Balin, Sheen, Morgan? Maybe one of them is up on the chopping block. Not thrown, obviously. And hopefully not Balin. We'll see more of him. We'll see how that happens, of course, with without Ray Stevenson. But that's another conversation we'll have to wait after this season is over. But what I'm getting at, even though a lot of those things won't be resolved now, because we have everything is setting up for that big Avengers-style movie, every season of a series, of a show, sorry, same as every movie in a trilogy, needs to stand on its own. So if this season doesn't end with some of those questions answered, then and it's just a setup for the movie or a setup for Mandalorian season four, a setup for Ahsoka season two, whenever it's announced and then it comes out three years from now, I think it doesn't meet those those limits or doesn't reach those not expectations, doesn't feel like a conclusion to the season. 
it doesn't stand on its own. So that's why I, I want this season to be able to stand on its own. Let's say that Lucasfilm goes out of business for some reason, nothing else happens, that this season stands on its own. It's not just, oh, yeah, remember that Anakin showed up? Yeah, that was great. Oh, and Throne was back. But what happened in the season? Oh, yeah, it was a setup for something that never happened. Set up season two, set up the movie. But there has to be some resolutions to everything that we've been setting up so far, and I hope that they can land with just one episode left. That's my biggest concern. Uh, apart from season two of The Mandalorian, season three's finale was kind of eh, there. Because, oh, yeah, I'm doing clowns. That's Moff Gideon, just making clowns. And everyone's like, really? For three seasons, it's been, that's been your plan? Just four sensitive clones? It didn't hit that. It didn't land it like they wanted to. And I hope it doesn't happen here. So that's my my thing. All right, uh, speculations. I saw Mr. Spassel, you got one bell uh, going to it in a minute. Um, I think Thrawn and the Chimera are leaving the galaxy by the end of next week. They'll get the Chimera into the Eye of Zion, like Tony was the one that mentioned it to, to Alti on their podcast, and podcast of Star Wars. Make sure to check that out when it, every time it comes out after the after every new episode. I think he hit it, hit the nail in the head that that's what the Eye of Sion is for. It's a hyperspace ring for the Chimera, and they'll head out. So I was thinking they're going to leave, and then Sabine, Ezra, and the gang are going to be stuck in Peridian, the new galaxy. The whales are gone, so they're, they're not going to have a way to get back. And that's going to be either the next season or the movie is going to start with how the hell do we leave this galaxy. I had a thought earlier today would be great. It would be funny. It's, I'm pretty sure it's not going to happen, and the more I think about it, doesn't make a lot of sense. But if they stuck and a way to connect, they say Mandalorian season four comes out afterwards, same way that she connected with Sabine, and we know that Jedi kind of can connect their thoughts to others. If she connects with Grogu in the middle of Mando season four, episode three, Grogu's like, wait, wait, I, I hear Ahsoka. We got to go find her. And then they grab the New Republic and Everyone goes to Peridian Mandos there in, the, in his end one, and they find them, and then everyone goes back to the regular galaxy. But uh, that's too far fetched. So I'm probably thinking that Hu Yang kind of charted a map, anyways, when they were inside the, the Star Whale's mouth. They kind of charted the pathway back. So as long as they can open the hyperspace route and their hyperspace engine hasn't been damaged, they'll be able to get back. That's what I think. But we'll see what happens next week. Maybe their ship gets destroyed and they're, they're stuck anyways. So that's my big my big thing. Not a big kind of out there that no one knows about, about it. Probably Throne gets out pretty easily. All right, so what's your prediction, Mr. Spass? Well, is that Sabine will sacrifice her place of getting back into the ori original galaxy so that Ezra can go home? That's a good one. And I think she will use the Force in a minor way to do this also. I, I can see that. I think that Sabine will fin finally be able to use the Force. We've been hinting at it since since episode one. Uh, she's tried to use it a few times. She hasn't been able to. That's why I hope that kind of Ezra has a little bit in getting her to unlock that ability. And then if she uses that to push him into the ship as they're going to hyperspace, she needs to stay back. There'll be will be something. It can it could happen. I'll see that happening. All right, the great thing is that we only have three days to wait for Ahsoka season one finale. I've really been in, enjoying the show. We're almost there. Like I said last week, it's difficult for me right now to try to put them into, into a tier list with Obi-Wan, Mando, Andor, Book of Boba Fett, all that. 
I don't know, but there's been a lot of good episodes. That last week episodes or two weeks ago was probably one of my favorites. Overall, it's been a pretty good season. I just hope they they're able to knock it out of the park with the with the finale. Ah, all right, so that brings an end to our Ahsoka talk. And now let's talk a little bit about this little book. Crimson Climb, and let's do our Crimson Climb spoiler-free reaction. So yeah, um, I'm gonna start by saying thank you to Disney Books for sending this advanced copy last month, I think. Uh, Crimson Climb by E.K. Johnson. Again, this will be a spoiler-free review or spoiler, as much spoiler-free as I can. I'll try not to say anything I shouldn't say. This book comes out officially October 10th. There's no embargo. I'm glad so I can do this review today. I'm kind of surprised that there's not an actual embargo so people can start talk, talking about this. Our spoiler review will come out on our website most likely next Tuesday, October 3rd. October 3rd. So it's one week before the book comes out. So if you want to read the spoiler review before the book comes out or after the book comes out, you read it and you want to see here my spoiler thoughts, go and check it out. But for right now, you're spoiler free. I'm very surprised, pleasantly surprised how much I enjoy this book by E.K. Johnston. Uh, I'm a fan of Kira. I'm a fan of Solo. It's our story. I said one of my most entertaining Star Wars movies, in my opinion, I think it's great. So if you're a fan of Kira, if you're a fan of the underworld and uh, syndicates, if you're a fan of Solo, I think this book is for you. It's very character-driven. Kira's in every single page of the book. So I'm surprised how much I enjoyed I didn't know too much about when this story was going to take place. And not a spoiler, because as soon as you open the book, you know where it takes place. So this takes place right when she's taken from Han in Coronet Spaceport. So when they pass the, the little security gate and Revolt pulls her out, this is when this this book start and she's taken back to the white worms to lady proxima to the scrum rats to the sewers this is that and i'll say it's a pretty brutal description when she's taken by like literally the clothes are ripped from her back from her body clothes boots coats everything gone so it's very visceral uh ek johnson did a great job getting the voice of Kira, getting the voice of all the characters that we know, like Kira, Lady Proxima, Dryden Voss, they all feel like the characters that we know. She did, made great making Corellia's underworld feel like a character. The, all the sewers in Corellia, the grime of it, you felt dirty reading those scenes. So I think E.K. Johnson did a great job setting Corellia's that putrid sewer like Dryden Voss says. So if you know from, from Solo, Star Wars story, the, the comments that when Han says, oh, we're going to win this at the end when he has his plan to kind of double cross Dryden and Kira's like, the point is not winning. The objective is not to win, it's to stay in it as long as possible. Uh, how did you get out? I didn't. Uh, when Dryden Voss says, oh, Han, she's done things that you will never be able to imagine. All that is in this book. So why does she say that the point is to stay in it as long as you can? Why this isn't a game? The things that she does, even though we can kind of see that it's going to be violent stuff, there's a lot of it. 
So again, she spends a lot of time with the white worms, uh, with Lady Proxima. Every time I read, I'm like, Kara, why did you leave me, worm's hand? <laughs> I had that voice in my head. But it's funny because for the scrum rats, right, for the people that live on the Corellia kind of slums, the white worms and Lady Proxima are the most badass, scariest dudes out there, this crime organization. When in reality, they're nothing compared to Crimson Dawn and the other five syndicates, right? And we see that as this book progresses, because she won't stay with their forever, as we know, she'll end up with Crimson Dawn at some point. If you read the solo novelization, you know that she was sold to a slaver. And then eventually something happens and she ends up in Crimson Dawn. And we see that again, when she's sold to the slaver, it's not the best life for her, but she, she, she resents Han for allowing her to feel safe and comfortable, comfortable with someone instead of always being on the lookout for what's going on. She got comfortable and safe, believing Han that, okay, we're gonna make it out of here. And she's learned from that. She doesn't hate him. She keeps the dice and the, the dice are really important here because it makes her, reminds herself of the life that Han might be living now, how he smiles at everything that we know from the movie. She, everything, every time I thought about you, you make me smile and she uses that throughout the book. I forgot where I was going. Um, oh, how these scrum rats, again, they might, she gets sold. And then when she makes it to Crimson Dawn, she's still playing the field. How is she gonna go up the ladder without showing that she's ready for it? I know this sounds kind of weird, but Kira's in a place when she's learned that she can show all her cards, right? She gets trained in how to fight, of course, Terascasi, we know that she's trained how to slice into computers how to do poison testings, all this, how to scam people. And even though she might be at a level up here, she knows that if she shows that she's learning enough, people will keep trusting her and not just trusting her, but uh, I forgot the word. Um, I think I forgot the word. I probably have it in my notes, but I can't find it. Uh, underestimating her. So if she doesn't show that she's as good as Dryden in Terascasi, she'll be underestimated when she's fighting the guards or when she fights Dryden in solo. So those things she's learned how to, okay, I'm at a level now that I'm ahead of my teachers. We're going to keep it down here so they think that they're still above me. And if they try something, then I'll be able to, to overcome it. So she's learned this throughout the book. She goes in a the book keeps going. There's a lot of missions. She, she's first on this planet, um, Thorun, I think it's called, when she has her own team. They come back at the end. Uh, Character-wise, like I mentioned before, all the characters that we know, like Kira, Lady, uh, Lady Proxima, Dryden Voss, uh, Margot, which we know from the movie. It's the, she's the concierge for Dryden Voss in the movie here. She's not at that position. So all those characters were were great. Hey, uh, Brennan, how you doing? Thanks, thanks for being here with us, Brennan. We're just doing a spoiler-free review of of Kira. If I keep going, let me see some of your your comment. Mr. Spaswald, it's saying that Kira was fascinating in Solo. I would have enjoyed a series on her place in the underworld. Might give that that book a read after my first ever read of Earth to the Empire. I think if you like that, if you wanted to see what she was doing in the underworld. 
I know we have the Crimson Rain comic books, and of course, she was part of the World Bounty Hunter comic books, and this leads up to that. I mean, we don't see that in the book. There's a couple of interludes in here. One of them, the last one, is pretty close to that ending. So you can see a lot of that, but if you want to know what she was doing while Han was with the Imperial Navy and trying to get out, this is what she was doing, just climbing the ranks of the White Worms. When she came back, she was at the lowest low, slowly climbing, climbing back up, and then same thing Crimson Dawn, she starts at the bottom and slowly starts moving up. And of course, people don't like how quickly she's moving and they gotta do their moves to try to get her out of the way. Most of them don't work out. Tony's adding, I really wasn't that excited, but between the Crimson storyline and the comics and this, I can't wait to read it. Again, I, this is a book that I might not have checked out, but I'm glad that I did. It's a very entertaining, it's very quick. You can read it in a couple of days. Those chapters are short, they're easy to read, they're engaging, you want to know what's going on. So I'll give E.K. Johnson a lot of props on that. Um, where am I? So again, the rest of the book is her climb through Crimson Dawn's ranks. Uh, she's constantly, constantly fighting other members that want to be where she was. Uh, we see how brutal Dryden Boss can be, we know from the movie. Well, here he just... And like we know from a lot of gangsters out there, they'll just kill someone to make a point. And even though he knows that person he's killing is not the one responsible for whatever, he's going to do it to prove a point. Like, it doesn't matter. So find me the rat, basically. Well, I'll just keep killing people. Well, I'll make Kira kill them. Which goes to what he says in the movie. Oh, she's done things that you'll never imagine. We see the paces that she's put on through in this book. And then, of course, from Solo, we know that there's a puppet master behind all the syndicates, which is small. I'm not going, there's, I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to say how much small there is. Is there small if it's just insinuated? But there's a benefactor pulling the strings, and she's trying to figure out what's going on. There's a scene with the five syndicates. So we get Crimson Dawn, the Pikes, uh, the Huts, and the other two. I didn't write them here, but you know, all the other crimes, the, I want to say use some bomb, but they're not the other, the other two syndicates, they're there. So all in all, Crimson Climb, if you like Kira, if you like stories about the underworld, I would recommend it. Check it out as an easy read, comes out October 10th. Again, thanks to Disney Boys for sending us an advanced copy. And our full spoiler review will be on our website, uh, wordpress.radiorebellion.com on Radio Rebellion podcast on Tuesday. I still got to read it. I mean, write it. I sure hopefully we'll do that this evening or tomorrow. Uh, the Kira Dump Molo Malacor. I think that's a spoiler, but I would say the book doesn't get that far. So we, I don't know if it's happened on the comics. I don't think we're, we've seen that in the comics. Um, but the book doesn't get there. But yes, I would love to see it. I was expecting that this book was going to touch on it, so I'm a bit surprised that it didn't get there. Maybe we'll get a continuation somewhere. Maybe this Lando movie that comes out, we'll see that. All right, guys, so that, that's it for us today. Great, quick show, a little bit less than an hour, but we had fun talking about Ahsoka. Brennan, sorry, I didn't get to hear your thoughts on Ahsoka. If you got a couple of seconds, a couple of minutes, I would love to see your quick thoughts on this episode of Ahsoka as we're reaching the finale next week. Do you think we're ready for that finale? Are we set up for that finale next week? 
Um, I'm also going to be, hopefully, after, like I mentioned before, after the Ahsoka finale, the following week, hopefully, if Audi has finished Tales of Light and Life, we'll do that. Might do just an overall kind of Ahsoka season one recap. I will take a break because we've been going on for a few weeks now. We'll see what happens. After that, I'm going to start reading. I was also lucky enough to get a copy of the latest High Republic book, and I can't believe I forgot the name. Don't worry. Don't tell me because I have it. Eye of Darkness. The Eye of Darkness with Michael Rowe on the cover. That comes out in November, so I'm not going to worry about reading that till a couple of weeks from now. We'll get through Crimson Dawn. We'll talk about Tales of Light and Life here, and then we'll start doing that. Can't get, can't wait to get back into High Republic, especially starting with sorry, starting with Tales of Light and Life, and then officially going into season season three, um, phase three of the High Republic in a couple of weeks. All right, so thank you, Tony. Thank you, uh, Brennan. Thank you to Mo, and thank you to Mr. Spaswell for joining us today. Always great when you guys are in the chat, even if Otis is not here. We always put up a good show. It's always fun talking to you guys. You guys keep me in my toes. So we'll see you guys next week. But actually, here we go. He was just writing it. All right, have a great day, Mr. Spaswell. Thanks for seeing us. Look forward to finale your opinion on it. May the force be with you. And as always, stay safe. Be safe. Wait, let me try this again. There we go. Stay safe. Be safe. I may the force be with you. See you next week.